to the markets. Hello again, Orion Samuelson with you to look at what happened this week in the stock market and the livestock market and the grain market. We do this every week and we appreciate your joining us for our discussion on what happened in this fascinating world of the markets. Our dateline is Chicago. We left Arizona to come back to Chicago, and the date is Friday, July 17. So we start with the stock market. The S&P 500 ended higher today as investors weighed the prospect of more fiscal stimulus against fears of further business disruptions due to a record rise in COVID-19 cases. And Netflix tumbled 6.5% today after the video streaming service forecast slower-than-expected subscriber growth during the third quarter. That pulled the communications services sector down four-tenths of a percent. The S&P 500 utilities, real estate, and healthcare indices were the session's strongest gainer. However, a 1.5% drop in Goldman Sachs helped keep the Dow in negative territory today. For the week, the S&P 500 and the Dow rose 1.2% and 2.3% respectively after optimism over an eventual coronavirus vaccine and hopes of a post-pandemic economic recovery helped investors look past the daily surge in the uh, number of cases and they looked beyond that at a continuing surge in those cases. The United States, for example, witnessed 77,000 new infections on Thursday of this week. The NASDAQ ended 1.1% lower for the week as investors sold shares of high-flying companies, including Microsoft and Amazon.com. Next week, second quarter earnings season shifts into high gear with reports expected from corporate heavyweights, and we'll talk about that just a little bit later. But with this year largely written off as a disaster for U.S. corporations because of the pandemic, investors are looking for information from companies about the potential size and timing of an eventual recovery. Tom Hanlon, who is National Investment Strategist at U.S. Bank Wealth Management, said, The question is, what 2021 and 2022 look like? And what can folks glean from the commentary, especially when companies have withdrawn their guidance and made it difficult to get a sense of what their prospects look like? The Dow Industrial Average fell a quarter of a percent to end the week at 26,672, while the S&P gained about a quarter of a or quarter of a percentage to end the week at 3,224. The Nasdaq climbed a little over a quarter of a percent to end the week at 10,503. 
and investors are also hoping for more fiscal support as a program that offers additional unemployment benefits is set to expire on July 31st, and the U.S. Congress will return to Washington Monday to debate another coronavirus aid bill. And uh, Vice President of UBS Public Wealth Management uh, at uh, in Boston said both Republicans and Democrats have a strong incentive to agree upon further pre-election stimulus. It's not a matter of if a stimulus passes. It's just what the size and content of that package will look like. BlackRock, the world's largest asset manager, rose 3.7% after reporting a jump in quarterly profit as investors poured money into its fixed income funds and cash management services. So that's what happened this week in the marketplace. And in the oil market, oil prices edged lower today as concerns about the surge in coronavirus cases, sapping fuel demand while major crude-producing nations ready increases in output. The United States reported at least 75,000 new COVID-19 cases on Thursday. A daily record, Spain and Australia reported their steepest daily jumps in more than two months, while cases continued to soar in India and Brazil. So as a result of that concern about demand for fuel, Brent crude futures fell 23 cents a barrel to settle at $43.14. U.S. crude fell 16 cents to $40.59. Both of those contracts were little changed from a week ago. But now let's take a look at what's coming up this week. What kind of a week will we have? Who knows, but uh, you know the pandemic is going to have an influence on what happens in the marketplace. So Monday, IBM expected to report a decline in second quarter revenue. Again, the company's software sales had taken a hit due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Oh, and early in the week, U.S. Secretary of State Michael Pompeo, due to visit London to meet with Prime Minister Boris Johnson to discuss COVID-19, China, Hong Kong, and the U.S.-U.K. free trade agreement. And then Pompeo will be in the U.K. July 20 to 21 and will then travel to Denmark on July 22nd. So for the rest of the week, a pretty heavy schedule of earnings reports. On Monday, no, on Wednesday, Microsoft Corporation expected to post an increase in revenue for the fourth quarter as pandemic-led remote working trends continue to boost usage of its cloud service Azure. Tesla will release reports for the second quarter on Wednesday. And analysts on average expect the company to report a decline in quarterly revenue and post a loss. Earlier this month, the electric car maker, however, did blow past analyst estimates for vehicle delivery for the second quarter. 
Despite falling sales in the auto industry, on Thursday, Intel Corporation expected to report an increase in revenue for the second quarter, again as the company's PC and cloud computing chip units reap benefits from the global shift to work from home and to remote learning. Separately, uh, Texas Instruments expected to report a decline in revenue for the second quarter as the chipmaker faces disruptions due to the pandemic. A report from the National Association of Realtors on Wednesday likely to show existing home sales rising to a rate of 4,860,000,000 units in June after falling to 3,091,000,000 units in the previous month. And then a Labor Department report on Thursday expected to show initial claims for state unemployment benefits fell to 1.29 million for the week ending July 18th after a slightly larger drop in the previous week. Thursday, Blackstone Group is the world's largest private equity firm reports its second quarter earnings after global financial markets recovered from a coronavirus-induced market sell-off in March. On Tuesday, the world's largest soda maker, Coca-Cola, expected to show a decline in second-quarter revenue and profit hit by lower soda consumption as theaters and restaurants were shut, while sporting events and concerts were canceled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. So investors will be looking for management's comments on at-home consumption trends as consumers continue to remain indoors in many parts of the world. Thursday, AT&T expected to post a decline in second quarter revenue hurt by store closures, a dip in advertising revenue and production delays, and investors will be looking at the health of its media business given the launch of HBO Max. On Friday, Verizon Communications expected to report a decline in second quarter revenue, again hurt by store closures and a dip in advertising revenue. Investors will be looking at any commentary on forecasts given the recent easing of lockdown rules. Tuesday, United Airlines, due to report a steep second quarter loss and revenue drop, as the pandemic triggers airlines' worst season ever. Meanwhile, American Airlines Group and Southwest Airlines are among four U.S. airlines due to post second quarter losses on Thursday and comment on the uh, outlook for demand as, again, the pandemic spikes demand in some key travel markets. Thursday, Twitter is expected to post a decline in second quarter revenue as pandemic-led economic uncertainties continue to hammer ad spending by businesses. Separately, Snap Incorporated expected to post an increase in revenue for the second quarter on Tuesday. Also on Tuesday, Lockheed Martin Corporation expected to report an increase in second quarter revenue and profit 
and that would be fueled by demand for its F-35 jets as the U.S. defense contractor benefits from higher defense spending by the United States. American Express Company will report its second quarter results on Friday, in which the credit card issuer is expected to report a decline in quarterly profit as it will set aside huge amounts to brace for potential delinquencies. And uh, Biogen is expected to report second quarter earnings on Wednesday. On Wednesday also, Chipotle Mexican Grill expected to post rare declines in second quarter revenue and profit as the burrito chain closed its dining rooms to contain the spread of the pandemic. The Travelers Companies on Thursday set to report results for the second quarter, a period that insurance analysts expect will present a clearer picture of the fallout from the COVID-19 pandemic. And on Thursday, Hershey Company expected to post a slight drop in the second quarter sales and profit. Dow Chemical Company will release earnings for the second quarter on Thursday. Also on Thursday, Freeport McMorrin, the world's largest publicly traded copper producer, set to post a loss for the second quarter. And finally, Toymaker Mattel expected to post a wider loss and decline in second quarter sales on Thursday. Officials from coronavirus vaccine makers Merck, Moderna, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, and Johnson & Johnson will testify before the U.S. Subcommittee of the House of Representatives Energy and Commerce Committee. So, a full week of activity with earnings reports and some Washington activity that again could have an impact on the direction of the economy of the United States. We'll talk about the agricultural markets when we continue on the markets. Orion here, and if you are looking to increase your profit per acre, and who isn't these days, then I urge you to check out Flora. F-L-U-R-A has cultivated premium genetic hemp strains from a company of innovators, farmers, and researchers that deliver the highest quality seeds and the infrastructure you need to support your farming operation. Call Jeffrey at 312-206-18. Check out Flora.com. To help us understand everything that's happening in the world of commodities, we're joined this week by Jerry Gulke of the Gulke Group. Jerry, thanks for taking the time to chat with us. Thanks for having me. Let's talk a little bit about the weather. We had this concern of a hot, dry dome enveloping the central United States. Now, over this past week, we saw some rainfall come through. What's your thought here on this corn crop? Are we continuing to add bushels? Well, you know, one thing I always look at is that when it rains, uh, I, I tell myself that the dry areas got smaller and the good areas got bigger. So, and we're seeing that, and we saw quite a bit of uh, quite a bit of rain this week. Some people are going to miss it, but that's the way it is, you know. And I also look at when we talk about trendline yields, average yields, that type of thing. That means sorry, some good and some bad. So, if you have more good than bad, then you're going to have maybe above trend yield. And uh, I think we're at that yield. I'm I'm a little concerned that with the drop of that five million acres coming out of areas like North Dakota, South Dakota, that don't grow the 240 and 300 bushels year-round uh, like they do in Illinois and Iowa, uh, that the uh, 
going to be hard to bring that yield down much. And I'm concerned with the rain we've had that, and actually pretty good weather. Uh, we, I've seen some of the best crops on my farm in a long time. And uh, of course, compared to last year, there's no comparison. So I think there's a good chance that we raise that yield up on lesser, on smaller acres, of course. Gotcha. Now, you mentioned the smaller acres. We've seen the market trying to come to grips with the smaller acre revealed on June 30th. Based on where pricing sits today, Jerry, and the weather forecasts, have we made an adjustment? Have we found a new range in uh, the corn market, particularly new crop? Well, I think uh, we may have in the short run. I think the market's got to be convinced that the crop is there, and we'll we'll get more of that in next month. And Probably won't see much uh, evidence of any additional acres dropping because you remember, uh, you you folks have talked about 2.2 million acres of corn that wasn't planted at the time of the survey and 12 million acres of beans. So did all they get? Did, did all those get planted? We probably won't know that until we get the, the harvest dump from FCA and, and uh, reports. And maybe, you know, like the last few years, it took until January to finally find out that we had less corn and so forth. Then it's too late. You know, the, we've sold over half our crop by then in, in, in general. So... Uh, the market has uh, was not uh, unexpectedly. Um, it was a, it had a good day uh, because they expected uh, less reduction. But when it's all said and done, it's about supply and demand, and we have that 2.6 billion bushel supply. Very very hard to get that down to under two billion to get anybody excited. Well, true, but we are seeing demand, especially on the new crop side, pick up with some big purchases by China. We have seen China cancel orders in the past. Jerry, do you think they're going to follow through on these big purchases they've made over the past week? Well, I, I suspect that uh, the Trump administration is, you know, they've been meeting with them. They met in Hawaii and they met again uh, last week or a week or so ago. So I think uh, they've been leaning on them. And, you know, Trump uh, has a uh, has a, uh, a problem right now with with ratings and he needs the farm states. And in the last election, I think Iowa, Michigan, Minnesota, and uh, uh, another state, he only won by less than 80,000 votes. So I think if there's going to be a rabbit pulled out of the hat, if I were in his administration, I would say, if you're going to buy grain, buy more, buy big, and cancel it later after I don't get elected or if I do get elected, you know. (laughs) So I think there's a lot of background stuff that we're not privy to, but I try to say, you know, uh, what would I do if I, if I were president? And, and if you and I can think of something, he has. Okay, Jerry, we talked corn. Let's talk soybean demand in particular. When you look at the domestic crush, when you look at purchases made by China, granted, mostly in the new crop again, what's your take on demand? Are we rebounding pretty nicely from this coronavirus slump? Well, we're, we're on the right path, but it all depends on how much China need, needs needs and, and what they actually buy. And will they buy for strategic reserves, as they indicated? And I've been a kind of proponent of that, that buyers of our corn and beans and wheat, in that, for that matter, ought to be looking at having a more in stock than what they normally would have, just in case virus 2 comes back. Maybe China sees that, and they, have, uh, they will buy for strategic reserves. What I found interesting about the USDA, and we felt the Brazilian crop was bigger than everybody thought, or that the general consensus was, they did, they did admit to the fact that Brazil's crop was 2 million metric tons bigger than what the original estimate was. That's for the crop that they're trying to consume now. So I think that's uh, very important in that uh, Brazilia is probably not uh, not on purpose, but we don't get the full measure of the, that crop until it kind of bleeds out over the year. And we had more acres. You know, we're up to 126. I think that's probably going to be 127, 28 before we end the year. So that I don't think you've got anything out there yet short of a weather problem that is going to take us to $10. And uh, we have to be careful that this uh, crop isn't bigger and we end up with 600 million again next year. And that gives you a parameter, uh, the highs and lows that we traded all, the, all during the year. And of course, 
post-election is going to be very important is do they just shut it off or do they continue to buy because brazil is also then harvesting around in january and february absolutely that is the time crunch we'll face there and there's been an interesting factor we have seen the wheat markets really explode over the past two to three weeks jerry is this all fear that the european and, and soviet or excuse me former soviet union crop won't be as big as anticipated yeah, you know, they kind of admitted to that as well going along. And Putin is pretty uh, pretty cagey. He he knows how to manipulate the, the markets. And so all he has to say uh, is that we have less uh, wheat to export, and that gets people uh, on edge. And we kind of saw this coming technically. We use the, you know, the price charts to tell us when to get out and when to get in and so forth at times. And, uh, and the wheat market said there's something up. And you know how wheat is. Once it turns, it can go straight up and discount. The news that it had, had thought it was going to hear about. So when you read about it in the papers and hear about it, then that means that uh, they've already been covered themselves. Is there more coming? Possibly because of that Eastern European and Russian Russian crop. So that's good news. Maybe I'm thinking about planting some wheat this fall on soybeans for the first time in uh, 15 years. Changing prices require changing models. That's Jerry Gulkey from the Gulkey Group. Orion here. And if you are looking to increase your profit per acre, and who isn't these days, then I urge you to check out Flora. F-L-U-R-A has cultivated premium genetic hemp strains from a company of innovators, farmers, and researchers that deliver the highest quality seeds and the infrastructure you need to support your farming operation. Call Jeffrey at 312-206-1864. Check out flora.com. As always on the markets, we take a look closer at the agricultural market activity and other news that impacted agriculture and the ag markets this week. First of all, on Capitol Hill, lawmakers from Iowa trying to avoid aid or to add aid for the biofuels industry into a pending coronavirus relief package. Senator Chuck Grassley of Iowa, who joined his Iowa colleague, Senator Joni Ernst, hoped to include a subsidy for feedstock for the ethanol industry in the bill. Because farmers and producers of the corn-based fuel were hit hard during the pandemic, as government-imposed lockdowns sank demand for gasoline. And the long-term hope for ethanol, though, is directly related to the extent to which the economy picks up and people start driving, according to Senator Grassley. U.S. law mandates that oil refiners blend billions of gallons of gasoline into their fuel pool or buy credits from those that do. Grassley could not say when a final bill would be ready in the Senate. And in May, House Democrats passed a coronavirus relief bill that included aid for biofuels producers. So we'll continue to watch that legislation to see if uh, corn farmers uh, and producers of ethanol will get some help from any further stimulus base. And it turns out we weren't the only country that had a, a problem with the processors of meat because a Brazilian judge has ordered all employees at a pork plant owned by meatpacker JBS to stay home for at least 14 days due to an outbreak among workers. 
that uh, prosecutors say has affected over 40% of personal uh, workers at the plant. The judge made the decision on Thursday, according to a court document. The plant, located in the town of Trespassos in Rio Grande, has about a 1,000 employees, according to prosecutors. It is one of six Brazilian meat plants currently barred from exporting meat to China because of concerns. And then speaking of China, Chinese ports have hit capacity as virus tests slow clearing. The testing of imported foods for the new coronavirus is pushing capacity at some major Chinese ports to their limit Warning of additional fees and possible diversions to other ports coming from the shippers' customers. China stepped up inspections of imported food last month after an outbreak of the virus among people working at and visiting a major food market in Beijing. And import container pickup activities have been severely impacted, and as a result... The reefer plugs are highly utilized, especially at the port of Yantian and Ningbo, according to a German shipping firm. And then talking further about China, I think maybe we should uh, hope that they will tell us again more often that they are going to buy and that they are going to fulfill their commitments under phase one of the agreement, which... By the way, President Trump is becoming less excited about phase two of that uh, trade agreement that uh, was passed uh, several months ago. The uh, situation is that the president is unhappy with China over its actions on Hong Kong and also on the other uh, side of the issue, the uh, trade agreements and the coronavirus situation with Hong Kong. But uh, when China said, no, we're not going to buy as much, listen to what they have purchased just this past week. Uh, Today, soybeans, 126,000 tons to unknown destinations. Yesterday, 286,000 tons of soybeans to unknown destinations. And also yesterday, the uh, two sales of, uh, no, three sales of soybeans, 165,000 tons, another 390,000 tons, and 132,000 tons that they purchased this week. In addition to that, 132,000 tons of corn as China came into the U.S. corn market in a bigger way. And some of the headlines from the U.S. Grains Council, the largest U.S. corn sale to China ever announced happened on July 14th, the third largest corn sale to China announced on July 10th, And now 51% of the total U.S. corn sales are going to China. And uh, China is now the number five U.S. corn buyer. And uh, that means they're pretty active in more than soybeans. So uh, 
one other note from the U.S. Grange Council that we want to share with you because we lost a good friend in agriculture this week, a pioneer for the Pioneer Company. The U.S. Grains Council paid tribute this week to industry pioneer Dr. Owen Newland, who passed away on July 12. And the uh, U.S. Grains Council president and chief executive officer said Dr. Newland's influence runs deep as a driving force behind exposing more growers to the international marketplace and ensuring market development organizations, including the U.S. Grains Council. We made a couple or maybe three foreign trips with Dr. Owen Newland during his lifetime, and every trip was a trip of learning because of all of his knowledge. He was in his early 90s when he passed earlier this month, Dr. Owen Newland. And a lot of grain growers will not know how much impact he had on developing markets. Quick look at where we ended this week. The uh, December wheat market up just half a cent. The December corn market ended up two and three quarter cents. The uh, August soybean market uh, ended up four and three quarter cents a bushel. And the livestock futures at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, the uh, August lean hog contract down a dollar fifteen cents, but the October live cattle contract up twelve cents a hundredweight. And the August feeder cattle contract ended the week up 27 cents. Once again, the same thing that happens every week at this time. We're out of time. Thank you very much for joining us here on The Markets.